What's happening, podcast listeners? We're back. Matt Baxter Show with your host. I know, I know. Super creative, Matt Baxter. And the reason why I bring up the super creative part, because I'm talking to a super creative, brilliant marketer on this episode of the podcast, Tammy Jackson. Tammy Jackson is a world traveler, island hopper, spent a lot of time in the Caribbean, all over the world, and it's just fabulous. I got introduced to her, and we've had such fantastic shows. She's now taking the world head-on with her own marketing and uh, boutique uh, communication consulting firm called Third Avenue, Inc., uh, I really just enjoyed chatting with her. She's got amazing stories from her journalist background to hopping all over the world and just changing lives with whoever she interacts with. So, Tammy, thank you so much for being a guest on this episode. I hope that everybody enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Tammy, thanks for being a guest on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. The honor is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I just know this is going to be a fun, wild, enjoyable conversation, so it should be good. But where, where in the world are you recording from? I'm actually in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I live. And it is a, it's actually kind of a warm day today. It's in the thirties. So, which is unusual for Madison in the winter. It's also unusual for anybody in the world to say thirties is warm, but I'm recording from Michigan and it's sunny and 42. And I feel like I'm ready to put the tanning oil on. So I get it. I, exactly. Like you'll see shorts, people, people in the grocery store wearing shorts and flip flops on 40 degree days. <laughs> Everybody comes out of the wild. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, so give me the background. Give me the life story. The life story. Okay. Well, um, I was born in, I'm from Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. So I definitely carry that Midwestern Iowa-ness wherever I go. And if you've met anyone from the Midwest, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just sort of that Midwest nice that can have, um, you know, that can be masking all kinds of all kinds of things uh, if you're not careful. But yeah, I grew up in Iowa, went to school there from a big family. I have four brothers, um, the only daughter. And I have, you know, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of cousins. So what what age are you in the, the sibling order? I'm in the middle. So did you get beat up or did you do the beating up or how, how did that? Were you the rebel or how'd that work? <laughs> Yeah. So yes, I mean, my brothers were, my older brothers were so protective of me. It was annoying. Um, yes, I got beat up and I didn't do the beating up. I did more of like, I brought, I tried to bring persuasion into it. So <laughs> a little backhanded manipulation. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Spoken like a, tr spoken like a true marketer. <laughs> yeah. And like a middle child, right? Like that's, that's a negotiator. Yep. So, yep. Yep. You know, you know where you stand, you know, you're going to be protected by the top, you know, they're going to be gunning for you at the bottom and somehow you get to play politics. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're all, even to this day, we're all pretty close. So, um, it's super fun coming from a big family and it's, it's great for now we all have kids and it's great for our kids. You know, it's been, it, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade having those brothers, even though they, they did torment me, you know, when we were younger. Um, so that's sort of where I came from. And when I left college, I, I thought, you know what, I've been part of also being an only, the only daughter and being from a small town, I was, it was a very protected, isolated existence, not isolated, but pretty protected, right? Like my brothers protected me, the community protected me. 
So I just wanted to get out and move away. So my first sort of venture, I moved away to New Mexico um, and lived there for about a year in my early 20s. And I just, I bartended, I worked at a restaurant. I, you know, I mystery shopped. That's that's the early Tammy career. Um, I don't know if I know what mystery shopping is. I don't even know if they have it anymore. So I'm aging myself, but it was pre-internet. And I would go to, it was like an early Google review, actually. So no way. I I would go to a bank or go to a restaurant and pretend to be a customer. And I would, I would have to meet like a certain, uh, a certain set of criteria. Like if I went to a restaurant, I would have to order certain things. Or if I went to a bank, I would have to um, ask about certain services and products they had, like definitely open a checking account. What are your fees on the ATM card? Um, Do you have a credit card? You know, that all of that kind of stuff. You got paid to do this? Yeah, I got paid. Yeah. And I did that in Albuquerque. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? What a random spot. I mean, like, what was the, was this like, this wasn't like uh, the the food, what's the, uh, what's like the food commission to make sure like food's not spoiled or whatever. It wasn't like that. It was just like review, like underground reviews pretty much. Yeah. Underground reviews. Yeah. And I I was paid by like, like the restaurant or the, clothing store, the bank would, would hire sort of like a, almost like an ad agency or something, or like a research, a market research agency. And that market research agency would send me out on gigs. And <laughs> that's amazing. Was, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And now it's kind of a similar story. Uh, I have a, I have a buddy. Uh, it's like my dad's friend who owned this massive roofing company and he, was maybe not the most kind boss. And uh, so he knew that one of his, they had like five off or they had offices in like five different States. And so he knew one of the, um, one of the offices was closing down a little bit early. So let's say the office closed at four, they were like leaving at three 30 and he heard about it. So he intentionally went in and broke into the office building and like broke the windows, whatever, got himself arrested and had to have his office manager at that store or at that location come bail him out of jail. Talk about an awkward conversation of a great way to bust your team for showing up late or closing down early. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is, that's like outrageous. That's, that's a huge Taking it to a different level. <laughs> I mean, Anyways, all right. Cameras. Yeah. Exactly. All right, keep rolling. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, I lived in New Mexico for about a year and then I, then I just started, um, working in my industry. So I lived in Montana, Northwest Montana for about a year and a half. And I, I worked in TV news. I was a journalism major in college, uh, always a storyteller throughout my whole life. And when I was in back, backtrack in Iowa, when I lived in Iowa, I worked for TV news stations there as a, you know, like the Tuesday night reporter covering the, um, you know, the city council meeting or whatever. Um, Something going on at the high school. That was me. So I I got a full-time job in Montana, Northwest Montana. I lived in this tiny town called Whitefish. It's a great little ski town, great little hiking town, right by Glacier National Park. so this started the trend, right? Like me living in beautiful places where I could hike and ski and, you know, 
camp and get outdoors and on the weekends and, you know, live, live my normal life during the week. So from there, I moved to Colorado for several years where I lived on the Western slope in Grand Junction. Again, I anchored the evening news and, um, it was super fun. Same, same thing. I mean, Colorado is amazing. Was this um, all, this was all like localized news channels that you were working on? Yep. Yeah. Local news. Yeah. Small. Did you, uh, did, did you like, did people recognize you in the community where you little celebrity status? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And the story, it's so funny, especially back then. Cause this was like in the nineties to early twos, um, early two thousands where it was really kind of pre-internet. It was really pre like just logging on and reading or watching the videos that you wanted to see. So it was really newspapers and TV stations were still where people got their, got their information. So yes, I was absolutely recognized on a local level, um, which was funny, but but I also really had the opportunity to meet like some super interesting people, you know, if, and just had some great opportunities open up to me as a result of my, my role. Like I'm just, don't, of, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, don't, don't take this question the wrong way. Uh, but like, was, were you respected and liked as a news anchor? Because like, I feel like either news anchors can get a bad rap because they are reporting news. That's not necessarily all that fun all the time. So I could see, it. but also people are just super critical of anybody on TV. So did you feel like, like people liked you? Like, did, like if they recognize you as a quote unquote celebrity in the area, were, were you liked and respected or did everybody have some opinion they needed to share with you or how did that work? That is a great question. And I haven't thought about this in a long time because I've been out of that business for a while. But yeah, everybody had an opinion. So if it was, if I wore the same earrings two days in a row, people would call in and or write in and have an opinion about it and and say something nasty about it. So there was, oh, gosh. <laughs> it was from the most minutiae to like, you know, covering something like a murder where you, you have to provide details to the public, but then every detail you provide is hurting either the victim's family or the, you know, the, some families out there. So yeah, there was, there was, it was sensitive. There were, it, it wasn't necessarily like being famous, wasn't necessarily, didn't necessarily equate to being liked, but I, Having said that, I did win Colorado's most popular uh, <laughs> news anchor or something like that. So, hey, yo, I knew I knew I was talking to a true celebrity. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> amazing. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I didn't really. I honestly, I didn't pay attention to the accolades, and I didn't pay attention to the to the critics because I thought, here I am in this public role. I am just trying to tell a story that was really at the heart of what I was always trying to do, and um everything else was just, it could, those things could be huge distractions if you let them, you know, you could, oh, yeah. yeah. You, so. I could just imagine, I mean, I, I know a few friends, well, I knew a couple like celebrities, kids that spent too much time focusing their TV image of like what you mentioned, the outfits, the image, and yeah, there's an element of like, you want to look good, but at the same time, like obsessing over that, you, it's a losing game no matter what. 
you'll yeah. always lose you'll you'll always lose that but exactly yeah you just you can't make there's there's just certain roles out there where you can't make everyone happy and there's always going to be a criticism and you know if if at the end of the day they don't like that i'm wearing black um this week you know you can turn the channel or you can open the <laughs> <computer>. <laughs> There are plenty of other news channels if you really care that much about it. Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. So, so like we would we would cover stuff like, you know, there's a bear in Montana especially. It would be like there's there's a bear in the park. So, you know, there's a bear that's been spotted in the park this week. So, keep your kids inside. Some of the news was just crazy in terms of, <laughs> you know, just kind of wacky wildlife stuff. Anyway, oh, what, like, were going, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say from 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 becoming the most famous person to step foot in Colorado after that lovely award, what happened next to, next in the story? So then it was um, it was one of those fork in the road moments of life where I I could I had a child I had a small child and I could have either really doubled down and on the on the news thing, you know, really like accelerated that path. I had, it, it was one of those kind of pivotal moments. Um, but my then husband and I at that time decided to move to the Virgin Islands actually where we lived for five years. Um, and cause, because my, I love taking the scenic route, you know, like the road, the road less traveled. So the expected route would have been for me to double down on my news career the unexpected, the, you know, the riskier route was to just go off the path completely and see, see what opened up. So I lived in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands as a, as a young mom and a young family. I'm noticing a, uh, I'm noticing a theme of like, you mentioned obviously the road less traveled, but also like bopping around different locations. Do you, uh, do you get antsy when sitting in a location, like living there for too long? I did until until I eventually moved to Madison, which is where um, which is where I've lived now for 15 years. So, um, but yes, I, I did for a very long time. And there's something about I, you know, I had a son, and he really loved. He really wanted to be in in one place. He didn't want to change schools. Um, so there was there was something about that that helped me settle down, and I I did it for him. Yeah, that's cool. And now, now he has the foundation, so he he has the tether now. So I'm I'm the anchor, and he can go he can go off, <laughs> I can go off and come back, and I'll you know. The um, roles have the roles have reversed. <laughs> yeah, they really have. That's amazing. So Saint Thomas in the British Virgin Islands uh, is I have never been. I own I know many friends and people that have spent a lot of time there. Is it as beautiful and amazing as people crack up to? That's a great question. It's a, it's the U.S. Virgin Islands, by the way. That they're all kind of around. You can get to the British very quickly, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, the, there's nothing like the water. I would say there's nothing like the water. The islands themselves um, can get kind of small. You know, at the at the end of the day, you can't just jump in your car and drive drive across town. You, you know, you're on this 13 mile by three mile island, so it, that after after some period of time it can get small and it can get kind of one note you know like you go to the beach you go snorkeling you go scuba diving okay the next week you rinse and repeat you go to the beach you go snorkeling you go scuba diving so um yes it was absolute paradise but um 
it's it's hard to imagine until you spend significant amounts of time there through you know through hurricane seasons and through through times when the shipments just aren't coming in and you can't find cheetos anywhere in any grocery store you know then you're like then paradise uh loses its luster a little bit yeah how'd you choose how'd you choose that to begin with so my husband at the time um was a physical therapist and he took he found a traveling job there so it was just they were really recruiting they were having really recruiting pts to come to the island um so we were like why not that sounds fun and it sounds warm and you know it just sounds totally different and we had uh you know we were thinking of like a tropical island just like just like everyone thinks of without without those little those little like gritty day-to-day stuff that would that would come in later but um but yeah it was it was great i would i dream to have a a home in a place like that someday did uh you help remind me did you live there for five years so yeah yeah at what at what point did the uh the, the 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 lust of uh paradise start to wear off you know um it was time for my son to start school and I really wanted to, I really wanted to give him that foundation that I talked about. And so we, um, we really looked, we decided to come back to the Midwest, which is where my family is from and, you know, looked around and and decided at that time, Madison was, it was on every list of like best place to live, best place to raise a family, you know, best schools. It was on, it was on every single, list. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how we came to be here. That's, that's amazing. Um, so have you, so as you, uh, you left, uh, being a news anchor when you, when you moved to the Island, did you continue doing any journalism or what, what was your, what was the path there? Yeah. So I was a stay at home mom for a while and loved it for, maybe six months. And then I was, I was in a play group. <laughs> I was in a play group. And one of the moms said, um, she asked some really mundane question about recipes, which was a perfectly fine question. But it just it, it was the question that launched me into I have to get out of here. I can't be a stay at home <laughs> mom. I can't talk about recipes at play group. Like this can't be my life. So I started, I just started writing travel articles and pitching them to publications. What's a travel article? You know, just like I figured I live in this beautiful place where people spend up, they they save up for the entire year to come here, to spend a week here. I'm going to write articles about what they should be doing when they get here. So, um, and I just started pitching them to publications and they started getting published. So very, very quickly, that was a full-time job for me. Um, and I also started doing some freelance public relations for, for people, you know, they would, they would see my work and, um, ask if I could help get exposure for something. So that's, I started doing that and just kind of, you know, really organically, but really born out of, um, born out of, I just want to do something, uh, but I want a lot of flexibility. Um, I just developed, I started this little business. So on the, uh, on the travel articles, you, you may not answer this question or may not want to answer this question, but 
I've always assumed that there's occasionally a little bit of shadiness going on with like trip advisor, not trip advisors, but like uh, people that plan out trips because it's kind of like you get a lot of compensation from the places you're sending people. Is there any of that? that maybe not necessarily in the articles you were writing, but is there is there any bit of like, I'll give you a very specific example. When I was in uh, Jerusalem, our tour guide got paid a lot of money to take us to a very specific shop where we would purchase, you know, tour stuff at this shop. And so there was always underground tables going on. Did you find that in like the travel and the travel world? So I've experienced that as a traveler, much like you did. But but I guess since I I didn't take, I was very, um, I had a lot of, I guess, I was tr- tried to be very ethical as a writer yeah. um, from my journalism background. So I I never got paid by the the. Pe- pieces I was writing about, my goal was to, my goal was to really get into the, get into the inside and just, just write about things that you wouldn't necessarily just come across if you were coming in on a cruise ship or if you were reading a, you know, a TripAdvisor site. So that's what I really tried to do. And that really resonated with some of the, the publications that I, that I worked for. So I know that that stuff happens. It absolutely does. But that, that wasn't my experience. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Do you have a favorite article that you wrote for, or do you have a favorite location or hidden gem or that secret, secret place that nobody knows about that they need to know about? Do you have a favorite one? Yeah. So one of the, the Virgin islands is like a grouping of several islands. And one of the smallest ones is called water Island. There's no traffic on that island. There's only golf carts and foot traffic. Um, there's this, at that time, there was this crazy little ferry that traveled over there four times a day. And the ferry captain's name was Klaus, and he was just a salty old guy. But um, on two nights a week or one night a week, depending on what was happening, this food truck would open up over there and it, they would just have a limited menu. It was by reservation only. And they would serve the most gorgeous four-star, um, four-course meals under the stars on the beach. Um, and nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. Like I didn't even hear about it till I lived there for a year. Nobody knew about it. So that was, that was one of my favorite gems. And I, everyone who came to visit, I would take them to to that beach. I don't know if it's, it probably still doesn't go on. It was just some woman in her food truck. She probably went on to open a restaurant, but, um, that was, that was a gem. That's one of those places around the world that they like write a movie about. Like she probably has some life story that's worthy of like a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Sandra Bullock would probably play her and yeah, that's your head. (laughs) You've you've already, you've already had this whole thing written out. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) All right. So you get sick of the Island life. What's next? Well, we moved to Madison, uh, my kid in school. And then I, then I career wise, I, you know, personally, I was closer to my family and career wise, I went into, I looked around and I was like, gosh, I'm going to have to, I think corporate is the way to go now. (laughs) So I was famous famous last words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I started working for the tech industry in Madison. And, you know, Madison is a great, it's actually a pretty great hub for tech startups, biotech. I mean, we have the university here, which is, they do cutting edge research. We have some of the, um, some of the biggest biotech startups here. 
um, it's, it's a pretty robust tech community. It might surprise you. Well, Epic's there, isn't it? The major healthcare tech company? Yeah, Epic is here. There's another one called Exact Sciences that's here, and they do um, colon cancer screening, and oh, cool. they're huge. They're probably so what, the company now. What drew you to tech? Um, after all those years of being a journalist and writing, I just wanted I wanted a paycheck. <laughs> That's that is that is not a bad reason to take a job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So that that was part of it. And then once so that maybe was the first the first thing that opened the door for me. But then once I got in there, I thought it was so inspiring to see all these companies and interact with all these um, founders and and, you know, coders who were really honest honestly, at their core, they were just trying to, how can I make this better? Whether it's like improving a workflow or improving a life and and everything in between. And that is, it's just, um, it's amazing. Um, It's amazing what can happen. So just kind of like now what, what keeps me in it, I guess, is like the never ending possibilities that are, that I'm exposed to from, from working with companies in technology. Did you, um, did you enjoy working with, well, I guess when you took corporate job, how big was the, you don't need to name the company if you don't want to, but how, how big was the company? Was it a good size or was it actually startup startup? No, no, it was, it was, I don't know, 250 people, uh, a small public company. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So when, uh, did you did you find a niche within the tech space that you enjoyed particularly? So like obviously Madison Madison has like biotech, but did you did you specifically enjoy that space? Did you enjoy uh, just tech in general? Was there like a certain niche in the startup world that you enjoyed? I like just I like just tech in general, to be honest. Um, it it does get kind of nichey, I think, but I I just like it in general. It, I'm just. It's fascinating. There's everything from, you know, Eat Street. I mean, if you think about like having your having your food delivered in a more in a more streamlined way, to uh, yeah. So just honestly, having those Cheetos delivered that the uh, the islands couldn't provide. <laughs> good, good callback to the Virgin Island Cheeto incident. Wow. Uh, so. Have you ever like so? I know you're in the process, or well, I know you have your own marketing company now. But did you ever thought about launching a tech company? Was that ever of interest? Did you do you like being just a part of it, or was there any any drive behind that? Hmm, great question. And no, I mean, I I love telling the stories around it, but and you know, marketing around it. But I I am not a a tech person. Like I, my brain doesn't work that way. Of you know figuring out, figuring out the company. So I, no, I'm just, I just like being a part of it. I like it. I like it a lot. I like being a translator uh, actually for the, for the engineers. And cause when you spend so much time with, with engineers and the people really building the back end and doing all that heavy lifting, they have their own, they have like this language that they speak and they're really fluent with it, you know, among each other. 
but as soon when you take that out to the marketplace, it doesn't always translate. So I would say that was that's been my biggest role is translating um, translating the value that they're working so hard to create and all these beautiful, elegant systems that they're putting in place and, and translating that value out to the public or to end users. Well, it's funny you say that because my CTO for Wedge, we butt heads about that stuff all the time, especially like in, in, in a very good and healthy way of like terminologies. There's specific terminologies in tech. So a feature in tech or a platform in tech is a very specific thing. And if you describe it as that, it's, it's only one thing. Whereas the rest of the world views a platform, that term, very different than maybe what tech does or a feature. Like, so for example, the world would say Wedge, my video interviewing company is a feature, a part of the hiring process. You tell that to anybody in tech and they're like a developer and they're like, wait a minute, it's not a feature, it's a whole platform. Yes, but it's a it's a feature, a part of the entire hiring platform. And that's so we, we that's something that's been a learning curve because I'm a, I'm a non-technical founder. So that's something that like I've had to learn a lot is how do I communicate what the world from a marketing sales uh, business typical side of things to translating that to tech and then vice versa, because there's also a lot of things that like when you tech has become so popular, in my opinion, because it's the most rational people working on things. Now, there's certainly a lot of irrationality, but like it's it's a lot of analytical brains that are solving the best, most efficient way they can. And so naturally, like when they come up with a term, it's because that's the most rational thing that it could be. And it, it to me, it's just, it's been super fun. So I, I can resonate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I think it will forever be the, the most dynamic CTOs will be the ones who can sit in that room and you know, to speak to the coders and speak to the the guys developing, and then also be able to speak in front of you know a thousand people, a thousand end users about how this is making their lives better. And there's there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of I don't know the the language that that person will speak in each place is totally different. So um, I think the key word there is uh, the most dynamic CTO is one that could speak. Period. <laughs> yeah. There's not many of them. There is not many of them. <laughs> Love them to death because they're way smarter than I can be. But it's, uh, oh my it's yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about your firm now. So I am. I just started up a you know a boutique marketing and communications consulting firm, and it has been this year, in fact, and it has been so amazing to interact with so many different companies. I mean, that's how you and I met. Um, it's been amazing to interact with so many different companies and just find out what their what their pain points are in terms of marketing and, and communications. And um, I'm actually learning that no matter what the company is, whether it's like this week, I talked to a firm that makes bike racks and, you know, last week it was a firm that makes QR codes. It's no matter what the, no matter what the product is, everybody is challenged with putting their information out there into such an information packed world and, and having it resonate with someone, you know, having it break through all of the, all of the information that people are confronted with every day. So it's super interesting. Do you have a niche of, um, if you're going to solve a problem for a company or an individual, do you have a, do you have a niche that you like 
um, or have found that you really like problems you like solving? Yeah, so I definitely, um, the whole B2B space resonates with me much better than B2C. Um, but I, I find that just probably because of my background, I find that I'm really adept at helping, helping companies solve really complicated communications challenges, whether it's, you know, a multi, um, a multi-phase merger and acquisition or something that they have to communicate to a lot of different audiences, or if it's just like a company, a company kind of reset that they're, that they just really need to get back on board with all of their employees. Um, that's really, I feel like I bring a lot of value there. Is it safe to say you also do a lot of helping the CTOs that can't speak, tell their stories a little better? <laughs> I try. Oh goodness. I try. Right. And I try, to, I try to show good examples of, you know, look at what this CTO is saying. And I'll, I'll find like, you know, the next up and coming Silicon Valley CTO and find their most recent article. And it, that was probably written by someone else, to be honest, not them. But the the positioning, you know, I'll, I'll put that positioning in front of in front of the right people over and over and over again, hoping it sinks in. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So what's, uh, what's next for you in life? What's, what's the, what's the big, what's the big goal or what's the goal or what's the small goal that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. You know, um, this is crazy, but my husband and I are now empty nesters. So our, our, our kids are in college and, um, it's, I always thought this would be a time where I would step back and relax and, you know, just really, I don't know, just really chill. But it actually, what I found is having, not having their daily presence in my life in like a needs-based way, like I'm not cooking anyone dinner, you know what I mean? So it's really opened up life in a way I hadn't expected. So I'm really excited to, you know, open up this firm and I'm excited to, um, I'm, I'm networking more than I've ever networked. I'm more, even though we're like at, you know, a year into COVID, I'm more social than I've ever been because I, I just, I'm an empty nester and I have all this time. So, um, yeah. So in a, in a perfect world, I would be traveling more, but I've toned that down a little bit in the last year. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I really want to expand how I'm helping people solve their, solve their, their marketing problems, you know? I love that. Love that. Um, my, uh, my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what is it that gets people out of bed in the morning? And the other, the other part two to that is, if you were going to have an influence that you got to pick that you left on somebody's life, what would that be? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, the thing that gets me up in the morning quite literally is my 14 week old puppy. Um, <laughs> what kind of dog? He's, he's a Vishla named Oliver and he is, <laughs> I didn't know dogs could have so much will. Um, so he's what quite, he's quite literally what gets me up in the morning. And then the next question was, will you say it again? Yeah. So if you got to pick which, like the influence that you had in somebody's life, you came in, you influenced them, you changed them, you inspired them, you did something. What is that impact that you would like to have on them? Uh, so I think if you would ask 
people who've worked on my teams, people who've worked for me, um, I want to inspire. This sounds cliche coming out of my mouth, but I want to inspire people to do the best they can be, do the best they can do and be the best they can be. And that meant that's I that's something that I've done throughout my entire career and with even with our family, with our boys. Um, if you asked anyone who's ever reported to me, like I have I have big picture career career conversations with them once a month because I know that someday they'll be going beyond whatever they're doing for me today. Someday they're they're smart enough, they're amazing, and they're gonna be doing something. 10 times, a hundred times better tomorrow or next month or whatever. So that's, a. am just, I just constantly have those conversations to help guide them and point them in the right direction and, um, help them get over self-doubt and yeah. So just really helping people be their best. I love that. For people that want to reach out to you and hear more about uh, the marketing business and, or reach out to chat with you, learn more, uh, just be inspired by you. What's the best way for them to get in touch or follow along? They can find me, um, right now they can find me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is, I'm looking. You'll have to cut this part. <laughs> no worries. It's, um, it's Tammy Kramer Jackson, linkedin.com slash Tammy Kramer Jackson. Sweet. We'll make sure to have that happen. But Tammy, is there anything else you want to leave the audience? I want to ask you something. So I, I follow you on Instagram. And were you maybe, were you in Snowmass a couple weeks ago? Was that I snow? Was. That was snow. I was like, ah, when I lived in, when I lived in Colorado, I got one of the, one of the benefits that no one else in the newsroom knew about was um, I got a ski pass to every single mountain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can make nothing and make that worth it. <laughs> and I, I know that was like, and I was, I saw your Instagram pictures and I was like, that looks like snow mass, but I don't want to be a creepy stalker. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You should have said something and please say something next time. Yeah. A bunch of, I wrote, I wrote trip out there uh, for 10 days and hung out with one of my buddies in Colorado Springs. And then a group of five of us from college went and, skied at Snowmass for three days, four days. Oh, it was a riot. It was so fun. Oh yeah. I haven't been out there in a few years, but I, each mountain has its own distinct views and personality. And I, I'm pretty chuffed that I got that right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.